Last week was Suicide Prevention Week. And the week before that, Elaine and I had an experience with a street preacher who was telling people they were going to hell at random. And this moment kind of led to a string of events over the last two weeks that has changed my Elaine's outlook on a lot of things. And so this week we want to focus on life. We want to focus on the importance of self-love over self-harm and what it means to truly show someone you care versus speaking negativity into existence. We want you to know that you are loved and that no matter what thoughts you have had, that does not separate you from God's love. You're not broken. You're not alone. And together, we can make life We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the answers. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 82. We just had to re-record this intro because I flubbed that part, just being real. Okay, so what are we talking about today, Elaine? We are talking about all kinds of things, as I feel like most of the time whenever we have our solo episodes, we kind of talk about a lot of topics and then kind of bring them together. But specifically today, this week, we are talking about just... The scriptures where it talks about um, you're following your heart or not following your heart and just a lot of times how people have this notion that our hearts are deceitful and stuff like that. But also we are touching on suicide and Mm -hmm. a little bit about how there are people who call themselves pastors or preachers who stand on the street corner and just completely blaspheme God's original message of love and just shun people on the streets and so just kind of encompassing all of those different topics together yes so uh i know some of you who follow congruently with the show are thinking hey we were supposed to be doing a series we are still doing this series we're having to circle back we had a couple scheduling conflicts so uh keep tuned for the future because we do have more episodes um, regarding LGBTQ plus in the church. We want to make sure we handle uh, this conversation properly and gracefully. So uh, thank you for your patience on that as we as we make sure we have uh, adequate information and adequate people to share their hearts. So just a quick little thing there. Also, um, there's a lot that has happened over the last couple of weeks that we're going to be talking about in this episode, some real life experiences. If you are a part of Nomads, you're going to kind of like already have a little bit of inside info on this because there's a video there that's tying into exactly uh, what what we're going to be talking about today. So if you're not a part of Nomads, a safe community for Christians to ask unsafe questions, head down to the show notes below and click that link and ask to be a part. We would love to have you there because this is not about two people behind a microphone. This is about a community of people coming together to be able to be vulnerable and honest with each other and who are just trying to figure out who Christ is to each and every one of us individually. So with that, let's get right into this conversation talking about street preachers, suicide, and 
overall uh, the church's view on self-trust and self-love. Here it comes. So this last week was Suicide Prevention Week, and uh, we didn't have anything planned to specifically talk about with Suicide Prevention Week with Jared Wilson, is that the, mm-hmm. the gentleman's name, who actually, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard this, I'm sure you have at this point, it's going around everywhere, but Jared Wilson, he was a very, he was a minister, um, he was a huge advocate, started a nonprofit uh, to help with depression uh, because he struggled with suicidal thoughts before, he struggled with depression uh, he was a father, he was a husband, he was a minister, and he and his wife led this nonprofit. He took his life, and it's a very heartfelt thing, and it, I, I feel like it is making the church evaluate a lot of their mental health principles, things we've talked about for a very long time. It's a very hot thing right now to talk about just the church's neglect of mental health, and I do feel like we're getting better at that, uh, so I'm not sitting here dogging church in this regard. Uh, that I don't want you to take it that way. I actually do feel like there is a movement of people who are bringing this to the limelight. And I feel like the new normal is actually talking about mm-hmm. mental health. Just some of the things I've seen and people that I've heard. So I'm not, this is not a dogging on the church uh, episode at all. Um, if anything, I feel like this is coming to the forefront and people are starting to deal with this from both a spiritual and a psychological side, which, in my opinion, is the proper balance because mm-hmm. you do need both. Um, there is a very spiritual side to this, and there's also obviously a very real, tangible, psychological side to this. So I think we're doing a better job. But uh, when with Jared's suicide, I think it definitely... Uh, some of the conversation we've had, it's very interesting. Um, we have a member of our community who was talking about how this one just hit so close to home because it's the first time he had seen someone that was so public and open about his struggles commit suicide. Most of the time, whenever people commit suicide, it's more something that's kept in the dark. It's more something that's not talked about openly. It's not something that is uh, brought to the the forefront all the time. Um, Or they people will know of their struggles, but they don't actively discuss it Uh, all the time. But this was a man who built an entire foundation to help people going through depression, to help people who have suicidal thoughts. He was a, an individual who fought for the betterment of people. And sadly, this is a very real scenario. Uh, it, a lot of ministers, I know of a lot of ministers who have struggled with depression. I don't know if you've ever heard of Levi, the poet, but his father was a minister, correct? I believe so. And he committed suicide. Um, fighting with depression like this is a very real thing that is going on Um, and I don't want to sit here and reminisce or uh, this that's not what this episode is for but we do want to address a couple things and just as a quick disclaimer here Elaine and I really feel in our heart that as we move forward, we are going to focus so much more on the positive. And that is one thing that we're, I'm bringing that up because it's something that I really want to talk about today as well. Uh, but there is extreme power in our words and in our actions. You know, Jesus taught about mindset more than pretty much anything. Everything he taught was faith and mindset, right? And so the power of your words is an active principle of, uh, of the Bible. If you look Jesus says, you can do all that I can. He commands demons with a single word, go, to leave. He commands sickness with a single word, to leave. Like, Jesus was a man of action. And so, he focused primarily, and there's this huge notion, and I, I know I'm kind of snowballing here a little bit, like, it's called, it's all kind of building up to what we're talking about, 
there's this huge misnomer where people throw around, oh, Jesus talked way more about hell than he talked about heaven. That is simply not true. It's not, it's not at all what Jesus taught about. As a matter of fact, Jesus mentions death, hell, Hades, Sheol, Gehenna, however you want to like word it, just anything about death less than 60 times. Uh, and he mentions life and heaven and eternity over 190 times, close to 200 times. So literally almost four times as much did he talk about life over death. And if we're to model like Jesus, I think that gives us a good starting place because a lot of times, and like I said, we're not sitting here, we don't want to be negative. I'm just bringing to light this right here. A lot of times we talk more about the negative than the positive. We spend more time focused on death than we do focused on life. We choose not to do something because of the negative consequences instead of thinking of if I do this, then the positive consequences, right? We, we use a fear-based method of teaching. And most of the time, like whenever we sit down to think, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, or I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, if you think to yourself like, oh, there's this thing, I could do this, but all these negative things are gonna come with it. Instead, we don't stop and say, oh, if I don't do this, think of all the positives that will come from not attributing to this negative action. So we we filter everything. Like, uh, am I going to do this? We always think of our pain, right? And Elaine, feel free to chime in anytime here. But like, we always think of our pain. It's like, if I do, uh, if I go and I perform this action, how much of myself am I having to give up? What am I going to lose? What do I have? I mean, think about it. That's the whole phrase. What do you have to lose? Instead, what if we shifted and started thinking of what do we have to gain? What do what what positive energy do we have to put into the world and start filtering things? And it's I, I'm just I'm on the forefront of this here. So like I'm right here with you. It's not an easy thing. But instead, it's like, hey, I'm going to go uh, invest my time with this group of people. Think of all the positive that is going to come from that. And sure, there's times to think about negative. Like I'm not saying we can never think about negative. I'm just saying that we have been taught so much to just focus on negative. And I have a story that we're going to kind of use to transition into this, but I'm going to give you Elaine a chance to talk. To going based on what Cody said, that was the heart and soul of what the reckless pursuit was. Yes, it's to have conversations about problems and struggles and kind of see how we can fix it, but more so focusing on the life and the positive attributes and really honing in on those things that we can do daily to help spread the message of hope and love and open up the conversation to those, give give a voice to the people who have been shunned for voicing their questions and, and their thoughts and experiences. And so I just want to preface like any conversation that we have or have had, the sole purpose is to bring life into it, is, is to speak life into it and just create a community of people coming together with their conversations and their questions. And so it's never... You know, Cody said this episode, we're not bashing church. Well, I would hope that no episode were bashing church. I would hope that no episode were bashing anything, but instead that we are bringing life and speaking life and giving a place for people to come together who have felt like they were bashed themselves from mm -hmm. their communities. And it's not just the religious communities, but also their family and friends and, and even workplace and stuff like that. And so just letting people have a conversation with the sole purpose of love and understanding. And even if you don't agree all the time, that's okay. It's, it's okay to disagree. It's not okay 
to not try to understand those around you, to not try to love those because we are called one to love God and to love others. Yeah. And so I, as you're saying this and for those listening, when Elaine and I sit down to do solo episodes, we have outlines, we have ideas for where we want to go, but we allow the conversation to be very free and very open. And so something that just kind of came to me, and I think I'm going to title the episode, this is self-love versus self-harm. And I kind of want to preface that by saying like self-harm is a lot of times viewed as, viewed as physical, but it's much more than physical, right? Self-harm is much, much more than physical. And so Jesus came to teach self-love, not self-harm. So we're going to kind of, that was a big opener, right? We're already <laughs> quite a ways into this episode, but I want to kind of open up the rest of this conversation, or I guess the door in which we were originally trying to get through to get into the room of conversation that we were going to have here is this. We were downtown, um, I think it was two weeks ago, two weekends ago now at this point, and there was a gentleman standing on a box with a speaker. And a GoPro. And a GoPro filming everyone who walked by, telling everyone they're going to hell. Not if they repent, not if they haven't done this or if they haven't said the prayer, just pointed to complete strangers and their families, said they were going to hell and that they were not Christians. And so I walked by the first time, and he asked me a question. He said, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And I said, yes, sir, I do. And he said, I don't think you do. You're destined for hell. And it, <laughs> okay, I'm not a very confrontational person, but go ahead, Elaine. You well, some. what's funny is that, you know, I was there too. We were walking Doppler because the next day we were going to go to Comic-Con. <laughs> and so we were just like, okay, well, we know that we're going to be gone all day. So the well, night we actually before, went there to pre-register yeah, for Comic-Con yeah, so, so we, we can were, skip the line yeah. the next day. So we were pre-registering for Comic-Con. We were like, what the heck? We're going to be gone all day, you know, the next day. So we we're like, okay, we're going to walk our dog because we love our dog and we care about <laughs> our dog. And so we were downtown walking our dog and we were crossing the street. We're about to cross the street. And I remember like you snarkily saying something along the lines of like, do you or some, something like that. And we were waiting for the light to turn, um, I guess, white for the crosswalk. The crosswalk. Little yeah. man to show up and yeah. see the red hand. Yeah. Uh, and so we were just kind of like, what the heck? <laughs> Why did we have to walk past this? We were just trying to enjoy our night. And this is like 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Yeah, it was late. It was dark. So... Yeah, and so we had our dog, and I remember, like, turning around, just trying to listen to what this guy was saying uh, as we were waiting for the light. And this guy, I think, I can't remember if he was on his bike or one of those, like, scooter, lime scooters, but I remember he was like, does anyone know? Or something yeah. like that of, like, I, does anyone truly know where they're going to end up? And I just remember, like, what the I, I don't even know. And so I was just like, okay. But Cody's over here like getting fired up yeah, like, mentally. And he's just like, hmm. And so we cross the street and he's like, hmm, let's watch. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting there and there was um, two women who uh, were coming by him. They were a lesbian couple. And I just remember their interaction with this man and just him tearing them up. And I felt so heartbroken for them, those two, those two women. And as they crossed the street, I just asked them, I'm like, hey, like, what do you think of this? Like, I, I can, and I heard their voice. I heard their tone. I heard what they thought. And I was just getting more and more mad. And I watched another couple walk by with a kid. And the same thing over and over and over. You're destined for hell. You're destined for hell. And at some point, I had to go back and approach this man. And he was filming everyone. And so I filmed as well because that's... I mean, that's respectable. I would think like, I'm not going to film him if he wasn't filming me, but he was filming me. So I filmed him and we had an honest conversation 
And I asked him, and I asked him, like, do you think you're doing anything to help promote the gospel? Explain to me your case. Uh, I was mad. I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't mad. I did my best to be as respectful as I could. Um, he told me that I was going to hell because uh, he and I were in disagreement and because he was a Christian. You cannot disagree with someone who is a Christian and be a Christian. So thus forth, I was not a Christian. Well, and he specifically was standing right outside of this music venue where I, I don't remember if it was a rapper or um, a rock band or some, somebody, but it was, it's an it's an open bar. Like we've seen a, a Christian concert there before. And even then they had an open bar, but he was specifically yelling at those people, but also anybody walking mm -hmm. past. But his major frustration was with this music venue. And so I was sitting there talking to him and he was telling me I was going to hell and I was doing my best to tell him like, hey man, I understand like we're not in, in, in accord here with some of this, but I'm just like, hey, just like, I understand I'm not against your box or your preaching, which I mean, I am, but like, I'm trying to be careful with this man because I don't, I'm not sitting here trying to, I'm mad, but I don't want to wound this man. I don't know what this guy's been through. I don't know what, uh, I asked him like, um, what his upbringing was and such like that, because he was asking me about like what I knew about the Bible. So I was asking him and he told, of course he's talking into a loudspeaker on a box, looking down at me for this whole conversation. He never, never gets down, down, never gets down and talks to me like and a normal his human. Wife right? And his child are just like looking up oh, at so this sad. conversation. So sad. They're not even allowed to speak. No. Um, and so anyway, I'm talking to him and he's asking me like what my ring is, whatever I'm telling him, you know, I told him like my past or whatever in ministry and he tells me he grew up in a conservative christian home so he's been around the bible his whole life and so he's literally throwing out these things that like make so many of us and if you're listening to this show i'm sure these kind of words are just like sickening words Cringe. that just like get in that pit of your stomach and just make you i mean it comes from a place of hurt like a lot of us have been hurt by these words and i just felt bad for the guy because he's grown up and this is all he's probably known he's been taught this way of life his whole life and so i'm trying to be respectful of him uh and he's not really getting it and that's okay because that wasn't my method all i wanted to do was stop him from telling people they're going to hell and the reason is because if we as christians and he represents christianity even though many of us would argue like and, and no like you cannot judge someone and tell them they're going to hell you have no right to do that like uh even though many of us listening to this right now would say absolutely that's not christian that is not a christian thing to do at all He's still representing Christ, even if he is a false prophet as a false prophet can be. And I'm not even claiming he's that. Uh, even if he's, you know, uh, the Antichrist himself, he's still representing the word Christ, which is why so many of us have come to be like sickened by the term Christian, right? Because it carries such a negative connotation. And so all I was trying to do is say, hey, man, like, repentance is one thing. If you want to sit here and preach repentance, like I may still not agree with your method, but at least that's one thing, but you cannot just tell people they're burning in hell. And the conversation ended, well, he was griping out everyone going to the bar and said, if you've ever walked into that bar, then you're going to hell. Even though the guy that was with him went in there and handed out church tracts. So I don't mm -hmm. understand that whole thing at all, but I guess he was accept. I don't know. I guess he had a, some kind of like spiritual, like one up on everyone else. I don't, I don't know what that was about. And then he, he kind of followed up with saying like, well, if I tell someone they're going to hell and they're a Christian, they won't be offended by that. And I'm like, I'm offended by that. I'm sorry. Like I'm offended if you're just telling random people because I care about their, like that's not doing anything for them. Well, and one of the biggest problems that I had with this guy, now mind you, the, this whole confrontation 
I was there and I was present, but it was not directly towards me. When I, even when we first walked, yeah, he said it you know, openly to me too. But I never actually had a conversation with this guy, nor did I have a conversation with his wife or anybody else involved. But I was there because, like I said, we were there that night anyway. And one of the biggest things that really, like, irritated me with his message was, or the way his message was, was whenever Cody said, hey, I get your message. I agree. God's great. Whatever. I'm not denying that you're a Christian. I'm not denying the Bible. I'm not denying all this stuff. But maybe change your words or change your wording. Change the presentation that you're giving instead of saying you're going to hell why don't you have a conversation with these people or why don't you you do it out of love and say hey god loves you and not of do you know where you're ending up but just hey like how can i pray for you or hey like i have this feeling that something's going on can i pray for you or can i can i tell you a piece of scripture that really uplift uplifts me whatever and his first question was like, well, does God ever, does God love everyone? And I was just like, yes, he loves everyone. Yeah, I actually responded. I was like, yes. And he's like, well, basically went on to say that God doesn't love everyone because they're sinners and God doesn't love you if you're a sinner. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my word, what? And that's what, my heart broke for this man. Like my body was shaking. What did this man have to go through in his life to receive such a view of God that if he is not perfect, in the eyes of his church or in the eyes of his parents or his conservative upbringing or whatever it is, that God hates him. And like, I felt so bad. And he's portraying this to other people. And this is the whole hurt people, hurt people. This goes into what we're talking about is self-love versus self-harm. This man is harming himself and he's harming other selves, the other people around him by forcing this like anger because that's all he knows. And so the reason why I'm even bringing this up is uh, it kind of ties into this. There was a man, I'm going to leave his name anonymous for this, but he came up with a sign. They basically just said, my God loves. And he was standing across from this gentleman and he was just showing it to people as they walked by when he would tell them, only when he would tell them they're going to hell. And this other woman who came up and she, uh, she was a lesbian woman as well. She came up and she was being told some terrible things by this man. Uh, and she was being run into the ground by this man. And this gentleman held up the sign. And she turned around, ran, and grabbed this man's neck and said, Thank you for showing me I'm loved. And my heart broke. My heart absolutely melted because this woman just wanted to know that God loved her. Now, what do you think is planting a seed in anyone's life? Someone saying that you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're burning, self-judging like that, or saying God loves you right where you're at. God loves everything about you. And I know a lot of people would say, well, there's things in people that God doesn't love. Sin is a nature, which we had a whole episode on this not too long ago. Sin is a nature, it's a mentality. And you can either choose to live in the, the sin, or you can choose to live in love, and love is God. And so Jesus is a teacher of mindset, and tying this all in with suicide, I've been asked a few times this week, do people that commit suicide, do they go to heaven? Uh, that is a hard, hard question, and so many people have been taught that if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. I had a gentleman call me when I was a pastor, and this was the hardest phone call I have ever received, and I've received a phone call uh saying my mother was found dead. I have received numerous hard phone calls, right? 
This phone call was the hardest phone call I ever received because it caught me completely off guard and it was someone I did not know and I talked to the man himself and I got a phone call. I was the only one in the office. No other pastor was in the office. It was just me. I was like 20 years old, 21 maybe. And so I get this phone call. I answer it and it is this man, a very frail sounding man. And he asked to speak to the minister present at the church. And I said, well, sir, I'm the only minister here. I'll do my best to help you. And uh, he said, I found your your name in a phone book at random. He said, I opened the phone book and found the first church down the listing. And he said, I'm calling you. He said, I live in Northwest Arkansas, which is about three hours from where we are at. Uh, he said, I live in Northwest Arkansas. I'm not a very well-educated man. I do my best to read the Bible and I love Jesus. He said, I have stage four terminal cancer. I'm in extreme pain. Nothing I take will help me, and I'm going to die within six months. He said, if I kill myself, will I go to hell? Because I don't want to be here anymore. And I broke. And I tried to comfort this guy the best I could. And I told him, I said, you know, God loves you. And if you're here, I truly believe you have a purpose. I truly believe there's a reason you're still breathing uh, I truly, truly believe that God is capable. And even if you're going to die in six months, that up until that point of your last breath, you have a purpose and you have a reason for taking it. You have a reason for taking every single breath. And I told him, I said, I do not believe that you're destined for hell, whatever you choose. But just know that life and choosing life is always a better answer. But I think God loves you bigger than whatever mistakes we make. And I do believe suicide is a mistake, but I think God's love is bigger. He said, thank you so much. And I offered to have other ministers call him, people who, honestly, I hadn't been in ministry very long when I talked to the guy, you know? And I was like, I, I can have someone else. He said, no, that, that won't be necessary. And I never heard from him again. He hung up and I never heard from him again. And I don't know if he took his life. I do not know if uh, I don't know if he was miraculously healed. I don't know anything. I offered to pray with him and he said that won't be necessary and hung up the phone. Uh, and it was the hardest phone call and I still remember it vividly to this day. And the reason I remember it is because A, like that's a very hard thing to have. But B, I, I, when, I, when he hung up the phone, my first reaction was like shock. Like, wow, I can't believe I just had a conversation with someone like that. That is not what I expected to have when I'm sitting here like, making random graphics for a sermon uh, for the youth group. And B, I really just asked myself, if I were in his shoes, what would the answer I would want to be? And I started thinking of my loved ones and how they would want every minute they could have with me. But at the same time, if he is suffering, he is hurting so, so much. He's in physical agony. Uh, he's being tormented. The idea of heaven, the idea of an escape is so promising. And I just... I couldn't sit there and damn that man to hell. All I could do is tell him life is worth living. I truly believe life is worth living. You have a purpose here. And for anyone listening who's had suicidal thoughts, you have a purpose. You are worth it. Uh, you are, God is a God that's bigger than depression. He's bigger than all of these things. There's nothing wrong with seeking out counseling. There's nothing wrong with seeking out heart. There's nothing wrong with any of this. Uh, and and you're, we're here for you, like you have a purpose, but also for those that have taken their lives or people that have had someone who have taken their lives. I'm not encouraging anyone to do this by any means. I just want you to realize that. But no, I don't think that those people are just sentenced to hell because it takes an extremely bad mental state 
to take your own life. It takes an extremely uh, downtrot mental state to do such a thing. It is truly a sickness. And it's something that I think that we put off the weight uh, so much and we put this weight on people that they have to have everything right and perfect and they don't. We put this weight on people saying that um, you're the reason for your mental illness, you're the reason for your sickness, and you're not. And God's mindset is just the power of mindset, the power of Christ who came to teach us the renewing of your thoughts, right? And we have an episode coming out really soon with Todd Vick that's literally all about this, is the renewing of your mind. It's a scientific principle. It's a spiritual principle. It's in the Bible. Uh, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, a lot of the principles Jesus taught weren't on, they weren't about heaven. They were about heaven on earth. And that's why we've got to spend so much more time focused on life. And that's where the conversation has to start happening about mental health and mental illnesses and and depression and suicidal tendencies and all these things without the judgment, without the um, just hatred. And if people are hurting, you know, one of the biggest things that I feel that the church needs to, I guess, I don't know if own up to is the correct term because that sounds so negative. But a couple of weeks ago, I actually wrote a blog post about um, how sometimes there is an alternative to church. You know, sometimes mental health isn't a spiritual thing. Sometimes the depression and suicidal tendencies and thoughts aren't because we lack prayer or a lack of community or a lack of reading the Bible. Sometimes it's it's deeper and uh, most of the times it's a lot deeper and more psychological and um, more scientific than just, oh, I should be praying. Because a lot of these people are praying. A lot of these people are reading the Bible and actively going to church and being around communities of people, but they're hurting and they have specific things, specific lies, you know, that they're being told or that they feel and a lot of times church leaders and religion push the well you should be praying more or do you have any unforgiven sin or Mm -hmm. do you are you reading your bible do you actively go to church like i said a lot of times they are doing those things but they still have these issues and you know i wrote a blog post a couple weeks ago about sometimes you need an alternative you know church pastors and leadership most of the time are not trained, do not have the education and the background to fully help people with their mindset, fully help people with their mental health and mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. Yes, I believe that spirituality is strong. I do believe in the power of prayer. I do believe in surrounding yourself with people who love you. And I do believe that God can heal and that God is good. And And all of those things are important and necessary and powerful. I believe all of that. But I also believe that science and medicine or education or other practices are equally, and I feel sometimes more important than just if you're reading your Bible. And there are a lot of things that pastors are not trained to help with. Pastors are trained for the most part to help with the spiritual aspect. And some of them may be trained educationally to handle um, mental health, but that's why you have pastors and you also have therapists. You also have psychologists. You also have doctors, people who are trained for these things. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the biggest pressures of people who are going through depression are, well, I'm not praying enough, or I need to read my Bible, or I just really need to have more faith. But there's some, 
something so I don't believe that there's something more than more powerful than faith, but I do believe that there are things that are equal to faith. And the reason why I say that is because I remember my senior year of high school. It was on April Fool's Day. We we're about to graduate. And there was this kid that I wasn't super close to, but I interacted with him several times, had classes with him. You know, everybody loved him. He was this good Southern country boy, you know, Christian, super sweet, super loving, always there for other people, super active in his church. And on April Fool's Day, a month before we were supposed to graduate, he took his own life. And nobody would have ever thought that he was capable of that or that he had these thoughts because he was so loving because he was you know we had an active prayer circle that we had in high school that we did every Wednesday at lunchtime oftentimes he led this prayer circle and he still took his own life there were more things that he was dealing with than just going to church and being a good person and loving other people and I really feel like if he had a therapist or a psychologist or a doctor or people who were trained educationally to also be taking care of him as well as a pastor. I, I believe it's a balance of faith and spirituality, but a lot of times we focus too much on the faith part. Well, and that reminds me of, I believe it was Robin Williams who took his own life mm -hmm. not too long ago. Yeah. It was a little while back yeah. now, but uh, one of the things that Robin Williams had said, I'm not quoting this word for word, but it's something along the lines of oftentimes those who show the most compassion or love or try to make people happy are the ones hurting themselves because they know what it's like to not have that. Mm -hmm. And so like it's something they that compensate. hides. Yeah, it hides in plain sight. And and so that's kind of what, just to sum this up here, you have self-love and you have self-harm. Self-harm is more than suicide. Self-harm is more than cutting your wrists like uh, you know, that was a huge thing when we were growing up. I guess it's kind of had a bit of a resurgence mm -hmm. recently. Self-harm is so much more than uh, burning your skin or inflicting self-wounds. It's the mental uh, abuse of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. The dirty rag mentality. And I'm going to read a couple of Bible verses real quick here that are commonly tossed around. And I just want you to see how they're followed up, okay? These are some of these verses that are used as like bashing verses, right? Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? You hear that Bible verse used as a bashing Bible verse, but we don't take, like the Bible's always, always, always redemptive, okay? Verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All are justified freely by his grace. We may have fallen short. Mankind may have fallen but it's no longer fallen. It is redeemed. It is no longer fallen. It is redeemed. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. For one, like that's like, oh yeah, we're, we're nothing but sinners. Okay. Were, keyword, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Post-death, we're not sinners anymore. Okay. Since therefore, if you keep reading verse nine, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We are saved from wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's the whole prodigal son. We left 
but we are brought back in. It's the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. All of these parables all lead to the same thing. There was a time man strayed away, but now we are welcomed back in. And so self-harm is so much more than just harming oneself physically. It's harming oneself mentally to view yourself as less than, to view yourself as worthless, to view yourself as poor, beggar, downtrod. You know, what does God say? Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Like all of these things, like you view yourself as this, God views you as so much more. And when we adopt that mentality, we go from self-harm to self-love. Also, when we adopt that mentality toward others, and I have this Bible verse here, and this is like the big one. We read this today in our, this is Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday. So you're getting this like 12 hours after we record, okay? As a matter of fact, it's 1.22 p.m. on Sunday. So this comes out, let's see, like 15 hours from now, basically. And uh, we were reading this today. This was our Bible study. This was our church today. We were just having a Bible study this morning. And this is the golden rule, okay? And these are two different thoughts, and I'm going to read them to you. And uh, we always chop these up in our brain. Or when we're teaching, we always chop these up. Uh, and this is Matthew chapter 7. And so I'm in verse 12, and this little tagline is the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Okay, we do sermons on this exact thing, right? The golden right? rule. The golden rule, the golden rule. Sermons upon sermons upon sermons of do unto others as you would have uh, do unto you. Here's this other little verse here. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This is a whole other little snippet that we teach sermons upon sermons upon sermons of, oh, the narrow way to heaven. Jesus isn't talking about heaven. I'm just going to like preface it. Jesus isn't talking about, this is verses 12 and verses 13 and 14. This is one thought, okay? Look at it this way. I'm going to read it to you this way, and this blew my mind. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Do this by entering through the narrow gate of the mind. For the gate is wide and the way is easy, or the thoughts are easy that lead to destruction. And those who enter it are many or go down that road are many. But the thoughts are gate uh, that is narrow and the thoughts are hard that leads to life and who find it are few. What Jesus is literally saying, and I know I'm paraphrasing, I'm not adding to the Bible, I'm trying to give you a new understanding, you can go read 12 through 13 and 14 for yourself in Matthew chapter 7. What I'm saying is, Jesus is saying, do to others how you would want to be done. Destruction is looking at people, this wide narrow, this wide view, this wide open view of uh, looking past people, looking at all the sickness, all the bad, all the, the unrighteousness, all the the mistakes people make, right? That's the wide view and that leads to destruction. But when you narrow down your focus, when you narrow, what do you think? When you think of like, you're just taking everything in versus a narrow focus on something. When you narrow down that focus on someone and you just choose to look at the good, that brings life. And you start to treat people in a way you yourself would want to be treated. And that is self-love, as in you're loving someone else's self versus harm. So our question this week is this, what way do you show yourself love? What is the best way that you can show yourself self-love? 
And this is this is rhetorical. You, you're welcome to uh, add us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook uh, at underscore TRP podcast on pretty much everything. You're welcome to kind of shoot us your message there. Drop us an email, mail at therecklesspursuit.com. We would love to start up a conversation with you. You can go to Nomads and we can talk about this very question or it can be rhetorical and just ask yourself that question just in your mind. But how do you, how can you better show yourself self-love? I'm going to put the Bible down now if you're, <laughs> then you're swinging it around. Guys, you have anything you want to say before? Okay, yeah. go ahead. I just want to also remind everyone that there is a song called It's All Worth Living For by Levi the Poet. I know we had mentioned him previously in this episode about his situation and his, his father committing suicide you know, several years ago. And, and that's an active thing that he advocates for is, you know, he's a big part of To Write Love on Her Arms. He's a big advocate for, you know, living and loving like Jesus and spreading the message of hope and love through spoken word and poetry. And, you know, he's one of my favorite artists. One of our dreams or one of my biggest dreams is have him on the show actually and talk about some of these things. But he came out with this spoken word piece a couple of years ago and it's 10 minutes long, but it is so good. It's for those people who have those um, depressive thoughts, for have those suicidal tendencies, who are questioning, is life actually worth living for? Do I actually matter? Do I actually have a purpose? And I highly encourage you, even if you're not asking those questions, if, if you know someone who is, or even if you just love um, deep thought and poetry, I highly recommend to go listen to this song. And better yet, one of the coolest things about this song is whenever Levi was putting together the music video for this, he actually had people send in their favorite moments of life. There's, there's videos of, you know, people's wedding day. There's videos of people's, you know... Um, coming together with their families and friends and just different aspects. You know, if when you listen to the song, if you just read the, the lyrics, like it talks about the it's all worth living for drinking coffee for people, drinking coffee with people at two in the morning or, you know, it's worth living for because of weddings and family and being there even in the hard moments. And like I said, the coolest thing about this music video is that it's segments of both his life and a bunch of random strangers' lives. And I just highly encourage you to go watch the video, listen to the song, read the lyrics, and we'll actually have this in the show notes below Yeah, we'll, we'll link to the video in the show notes. And the last thing here is I just want to to remind anyone who has ever had a suicidal thought, who's going through depression or some kind of uh, just a mental weight on you, you're not a burden. You're not a burden to those around you. Even your worst, you're not a burden. It may be burdensome, but it's not yours alone to carry and don't stay silent because there are people who love you. Elaine and I are here for you. We're anyone in our group would be happy to bend over backwards to be there for you. You're not alone because it is worth living for. I think we're just going to end it right there. If you need to reach out, reach out. We love you guys. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk to you.